Uh, greetings, everybody. Welcome once again to the Rec Poker Podcast YouTube video. I'm your host, Steve Fredland, and as always, we are sponsored by Running Aces Racetrack and Casino, and welcome to episode 119. Uh, a couple of quick announcements. Uh, we've got this great training opportunity, Crazy Like a Fox, starting in less than three weeks now, March 21st. So uh, check that out. Go to the, go to the website, recpokertraining.com. Click on Crazy Like a Fox. And uh, if you go out there and if you want to sign up for the course, use the code FOXRECPOKER and you can get that course for half off. So uh, check it out. Feel free to get a hold of me if you have any questions at all on that deal. Uh, if you're wondering if the technology will work for you, uh, feel free to reach out to me. We can set up a time to, uh, to go through and test all of that. And a quick shout out to everybody who's wearing the Rec Poker gear. Uh, more and more, I keep seeing people at the casino, so that's pretty fun. And then uh, just a quick shout out to the folks who are running aces players of the week this week, Clint Lighthizer, Daryl Whittingstead, Alex Mua, and Tom Gabler. So congratulations, guys. All right, so let's get right into this deal. I want to welcome back Sky Matsuhashi. He's with the Smart Poker Study Podcast and the training site. Uh, we've had him on here a couple of times. And uh, if you really want to get to know Sky a little bit better, go back and listen to episode 111. But he's going to run through a couple of hands with us tonight. So, Sky, uh, welcome back to the Rec Poker Podcast. Thanks for having me, Steve. I appreciate it. It's always awesome to see you and to talk to you and uh, be jealous of where you're living and all those kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. California is really nice. We had a high of maybe 55 today, just sunny and beautiful all day long. Yeah, that's, that's, that's great. I'm really, I'm really happy for you. I mean, that's just fantastic. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and also welcome uh, and thanks to the, uh, the panelists who have joined us, Chad McVean, Derek Smith, Stacey Nelson, and John Somsky. So uh, thanks, guys. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll notice that I appear a bit frozen. I'm having a little bit of an internet issue. Uh, so sorry about that, but uh, everybody else seems to be showing up just fine. Well, Sky, I want to I want to honor your time and get as much value as we can uh, packed into this episode. So why don't uh, why don't you go ahead and take it? So uh, can you see everybody uh, who's on the podcast here or on the video? Can you see the screen in front of you? A Jack Ten suited hand. Perfect, perfect. So I chose two different Jack-10 suited hands. And the reason why is because last week I hit a few snags with this hand. Um, and sometimes, you know, you look at Jack-10 suited and you want to play it, you want to call, you want to raise pre-flop with it. But sometimes those flops can get you into trouble. Um, Jack-10 suited is a really good, a really good floppable hand. It can hit some crazy good draws, um, as well as just some really weak, just jack-high hands with nothing to do on the board, you know. So I just wanted to talk about these two Jack-10 suited hands to get some of your feedback here. So in this hand right here, it is um, a 25NL game online, uh, ACR, America's Card Room. And I'm on, or in the big blind here, facing an open from a 2115, who is a tight aggressive player. Uh, small blind folds, and I make the call. So first off, um, you know, Whenever I'm re like going over a hand, analyzing hand, one of the things I like to ask myself on a street by street basis is what are they doing this with? So what is this opponent raising with? Um, if we take a look at his stats, he's a 2115 player. I mean, he raises 15% of the time on the button. He's probably raising a 25, maybe 30% kind of a stealing range. Um, and so I think Jack 10 suited is totally fine to call with right here. Don't need to three bet. But what do you guys think? Any opinions on the call? I'm Derek here jumping in. Yeah, no, I think I completely agree. Uh, agree with the idea or even earlier that you said that 
just Jack Ten suited, just looks so juicy. It's of course not in the you know the upper echelon of all hands, but it's like right in that spot where you definitely want to try to see a flop if you can get in there. And in this case, calling you get to get to see a flop, so I, I like it. Absolutely good. And just to clarify for the audio listeners too, so this is a four-handed table, uh, and the button the button opened to fifty-five with the blinds at ten twenty-five or ten twenty, uh, and you call out of the big blind. Yeah, exactly. Ten twenty-five is the blinds. Um, and so, yeah, it was just over a min raise here. Okay. Cool deal. All right. So we get to see a flop here, a very lovely flop, three of diamonds, king of diamonds, queen of spades, and we have the jack 10 of diamonds here. So we flop the open ender, um, the nut open ended straight draw, as well as the third nut flush draw right here. Um, so if we take a look at the stats, uh, you guys might not be familiar with my HUD, but this C-bet stat, the first one, C-bet of 79%, is their C-bet on the flop. So this person, C-bet 79%, eight out of 10 times they C-bet. So we can expect a C-bet right here. And my intention with this spot, of course, I'm expecting a but I have such a strong hands, nine outs to the flush, six more outs to the, um, uh, to the, to the straight. This was a check-raising spot for sure for me. So I check, whoops. So I check and then he checks behind. What a bummer right there. But what do you guys think about my intent to check raise? I like it. This is John Somsky here. I think given what you said, you didn't have the lead before the flop you just called. So uh, betting out here would have sounded a little fishy, like maybe you'd flopped a set or something like that. So I think this is the best way to get value out of your hand. Nice. Okay, good. I mean, what, what was the, your uh, Im- image? I'm sorry. Oh, go, ahead, here? go ahead, Stacey. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, well, Stacey. Well, what was your image as far as your number of C-bets and recent activity? Well, my generally when I'm when I'm okay. So in this spot, I'm not a C bet or I'm facing a C bet. My fold to C bet is generally somewhere around fifty percent or so, fifty fifty five percent. This player has two hundred and thirty one hands on me. My image at this table, I've only been at the table for five hands, so I don't think I've developed much of an image right now. Okay. But he is a tight aggressive player, so he probably does have my uh he does he probably does have a hud and he has some stats on me the the relevant stats for myself at this point my call two bet out of the big blind it's probably pretty small at 10 percent give or take and my my three bet is small at roughly probably like five percent out of the out of the big blind so if i'm not three betting right here i don't have aces kings queens i don't have ace king even because i didn't three bet so i've capped my range well by making this call and generally i'm a tight aggressive player so he might see me he should see me as the kind of person that would fold quite often to c-bets but he's not making the expected c-bet which is kind of interesting here what does that tell you about his hand it tells me that he's either slow playing a monster or he just has absolutely nothing he raised pre-flop with like pocket nines and it comes king queen high i called he's just scared doesn't want to c-bet gotcha yeah one of those two options, you know, but so, like so I said, what's, he's, what's the approach here? So like if, uh, so if you check raise and then he, uh, re-raises you there, is this just a hand where, uh, you know, it's just so, so wet, then you've got such a great draw. You're just willing to, to get it in. Um, and I guess how would that change if you're not suited? Um, you know, if you just have the open ended straight draw, do you still check raise or is it just a check call? Uh, with the open ender, I'm probably just check calling at this point. Um, open ender plus the flush draw. I have so much equity, so so many ways I can win this pot. Um, f- 
flushes, straights, even some kind of like random trips, you know, turn river trips and stuff. And then plus just with my draws that I have, I can put so much aggression at him. I can check raise right here. Once he calls on the flop, I can bomb the turn for three quarter pop. If he calls again, I, even if I didn't hit anything, I still have a chance on the river to hit something. So there's so many different ways just utilizing aggression to get him to fold as well as hitting one of my hands to earn some value from him. But to answer that other part of your question, I don't look at this and automatically think I'm getting it in here. You know, I right. still have just a jack high hand and my intention, if I do any betting and my check raise is to get him to fold. So I do have a great draw. And if I do catch an ace, a nine, a diamond on the turn, great, I could get extra value. But when you have a non-value hand, if you can, if you can get your opponent to fold, especially after putting in a C bet, I will have won um, uh, three, uh, like two big blinds from him pre-flop. If I see, if, if I get an additional three big blinds, that's five big blinds with a Jack 10 suited that I win out of this hand. It's not a bad thing at all. Check raising and him ending up folding. For sure. What, but what's your intent though? If you do check raise and he re-raises you back, uh, are you then just probably calling and just trying to realize some equity on the turn? No, probably if he re-raises me back, depending on the sizing that he used, my idea is that I would re-raise all in. So yeah, it was a check yeah. raise and then a four bet all in to, to put a little bit more pressure on him to get him to fold. And if he ends up calling, great, I have 16 outs to a really good made hand. So it's not a bad thing. But if he C-bets and then three-bet shoves on me, I would consider a folding. I don't know that I would 100% fold, but I'm thinking with my Jack-10 suited, versus his C-bet and then three-betting range, I probably have at least 45%, maybe even 50% equity because I have so many outs. Mathematically, it's probably a good call versus his shove, but I would just hate doing it. I would like feel sick to my stomach calling all in as opposed to shoving and having some fold equity. Because if I call all in, I'm just relying on hitting on the Turner River, um, which that's like playing bingo, you know? Right. Derek? Did you have anything, Derek? Honest to God, I actually, that was, he answered my question. Uh, Sky, you answered it right away because I was curious to see, I was originally going to ask about the thought of not pouncing right there on the flop with the idea of taking it down more on the turn because you want to, at this spot, with just, you know, technically jack high, take this hand down. Would it look more powerful to do that, to do go with the check raise there and, and just call on the flop bet and then check raise the turn? Would it look stronger? But Actually, before I had a chance to ask it, I think the reasons you explained why you were doing it then, I, 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 I have to withdraw my question. So Cool beans. So anyone else before we head to the turn? No? Oh, All right. Good. So, oh, okay. So the turn card comes, the ace of spades. I turn the nuts. The board is three of diamonds, king of diamonds, queen of spades, ace of spades. I've got the Broadway straight, as well as I still have a backup flush draw. Um, uh, I guess in case we're chopping, if he has a jack 10 or something, you know, so I've got the nuts right now. So at this point, he did not bet the flop like, like I expected. I really think the best thing is that I need to put out some kind of a bet just to get value out of a random ace, maybe a king. A, I think most of his kings would see bet on the flop. So I doubt he has any kings unless he was slow playing pocket kings. That's the only thing right. I can think or king queen, maybe. Um, so he could have been slow playing pocket kings or pocket queens, but he is a tight aggressive player. These guys, just like me, tight aggressive, I try never to slow play. If the value is there for me to get, I am betting to try to build that pot as often as possible. Right, and it's a pretty, it's a pretty so wet board. Kings and queens are potentially in his range, but I think, 
No, I was going to say, and it's a pretty wet board too. So even if he has kings or queens, that's a pretty wet board to risk a check back, I would think. I agree with you 100% right there. So I don't expect him to have much, but 75 cents, three big blinds. I'm hoping he can call with a random ace that just now hit or even a second pair or third pair, I'm sorry, pocket queens. Or maybe he's just unbelieving and doesn't want to fold pocket nines or eights, you know? Yep. So that's why I made that bet. Let's see what he does. He raises right here. So before I show you what I did, what do you guys think I should do? Should I just call with my nuts and a flush draw or, you know, should I raise to get some value? Yeah, I'm, I'm probably raising for value here just because I'm out of position. I just think if I, if I just call, then what do I do on the river? I mean, if it's a blank, how do I get value? Do I lead out again, which looks weird after I just called? Do I risk a check check? Do I hope he's going to continue? You know, and if it's a king, then for sure, where am I at? Then I'm not going to lead out really. I don't know. I, I kind of want to get value here. Uh, that's at least my thought, out of position. Would anybody check instead of betting? No, I like the betting as well. I think you need to get your value when you can. He already showed a lack of aggression on the flop. So I think this plays perfectly into it. He won't give you as much credit because it could look like you're just trying to steal because of his lack of aggression and makes him more likely to defend. Absolutely. Yeah. And I agree with, with, with both of you right there. And I'm also susceptible to some kind of potential flush draw, a couple of spades that he might have, or even like an ace four of diamonds kind of a thing. You mm -hmm. just now hit a pair and has a better flush draw than I do. You know, so I, I agree with you. So what I decide to do is I make it 555, like double his bet plus another three or so big or, you know, four more big blinds or so in an attempt to get value out of like a random ace, maybe a king or two pair or even those draws like I just mentioned, you know, and he ends up calling, which is lovely. Uh, any comments there? Talk a little bit about your, your bet sizing there, too, because I think I know typically a lot of the folks that are on here kind of talk about doing a three X sizing. You know, so I would have kind of thought you'd maybe go like seven bucks or whatever. Is it just because you're betting, because you're raising for value, you actually want to call? Is that why the sizing or is that kind of your standard uh, three bet there? It's not necessarily a standard sizing. I do want the call, but I've also given him enough rope to hang himself with a shove to make him think that, oh, maybe I was just betting and then three bet bluffing here. Maybe if he shoves his remaining $19, I'm going to fold. You know, so I, I chose a sizing that I felt was big enough to, to get me value if he does call, but also big enough to entice that four bet from him. Okay. But, you know, he obviously yeah. just called right here, which is still a good outcome. I mean, we've, uh, we've built the pot. The pot is now $12 on the river and he, we both have $19 behind. Yep. 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 All right. So the river comes the five of spades. So the entire board, three of diamonds, king of diamonds, queen of spades, ace of spades, five of spades. So there's three spades on the board. I have Jack 10 for the nut straight. No full houses beat me, but there could be some potential flushes that beat me right here. Um, but yeah, what, what do you, what flushes do you think he could have? They're like King Jack of spades or something or like what would, like what spades would he have there? I think any flush that he, could, he, he would have would be like a Jack, a 10 or a nine or an eight high flush. Like, eight of spades, seven of spades or something, because he could have raised pre-flop with eight, seven of spades. Then checks flop. flop. As soon as he gets a flush draw, hey, I'm going to raise, but I still have a flush draw. I'm not going to fold it. So I call on the turn, you know? Um, so I think those kinds of hands, even the jack, jack nine of spades is totally in his range right here. Open pre-flop, check flop, bet, call turn. 
What about a king of spades with something else? Like you get a pair, you just che- uh, checking back on the flop just to control the pot a little bit. You don't it, think there's a king of spades in this range? It's possible he does have those, but seeing as he C bets 79% of the time, and let's see, that's uh, 15 out of 19. This guy likes to C bet all of his top pair hands. He could have done it, but I would say, like, like you said, a random king of spades, king 10, king jack of spades is probably c-betting. So I'd have to discount those big time. He has the weaker spades in his range, I think. All right. So I decide to bet out for $7. I don't want to check and just let him check behind because he is checking behind. Um, all of his potential ace X hands, any kind of weird two pairs. If he just rivered an ace five, two pair, ace five of clubs or something, you know, he's just checking all those behind because that board is so wet and ugly. I, 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 uh, I bet. And then I three bet on the turn. He's checking back a ton of hands. That's giving me value here. Now I bet $7 into 12. He could shove over the top for his full $19. And I would just kind of like, I would call guaranteed because the fleshes I think are such a small part of his range. And I think he could try to attempt some kind of a bluff, but um, I think, I think my $7 bet is getting value out of a plenty of weaker two pair, even some kind of weird trips, trip threes or something that he slow play. I'd, I, I just think this is a really good value bet and he can call with a lot of hands and just unbelieving that I have such a strong hand. So what do you guys think of that $7 bet? Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think I just think you can't risk check check here. Yep, hundred percent. Would you? Oh, go ahead, or Chad. I was gonna say I think it's the perfect sizing because looking at that board, like you said, he could have any ace, king, queen, two pair, even a small set, and seven dollars into a twelve dollar pot. Like he's he's gonna call, um, and if he comes over the top, well, you're just gonna call that anyways because you're only losing to a backdoor flush which would be really hard for him to be, get to in this situation. So I think the $7 is good because if you go a little bit higher, I don't know if he calls with just one pair. Yep, yep. I agree there. Derek? Yeah, I just thought the size that you picked for the river, not to just be uh, Pat and Bats here, but I, like, I'm, I'm not sure. Like, I think we all agree he's, he's going to call there. If you go only slightly higher, I, I, I still don't even know if you if he feels like there's fold equity, but I feel like you chose an amount where like there could be fold equity if you jam. So I feel like you kind of put it right on the edge of like the bitter, like the tip top of how much value you could possibly get from here. So anyways, kudos to you on that one because obviously you called off, but I, I, I'm not sure. I don't think you go too much higher at all because you just there, there's no illusion of fold equity then. Yeah, I mean, part part of it for me is though, it just you know, it, it looks like a value bet, and part of me is this, you know, is this a spot for sort of a polarizing sizing where you do just rip it in, you know, and then he just has to face the decision if he's going to call or not. Yeah, I mean, obviously you don't want to lose the seven dollars of value, but uh, I think you put him in a tough spot if he has two pair and you rip it in here. Definitely, and if you take a look at his stats here, he folds on the river sixty-seven percent of the time. It's only two out of three, so it's a really small. But he's more foldy on rivers than he is like aggressive. He only bets twenty-seven percent right here. So overall, I think just value betting. I cannot, like you said, risk the chance that he checks behind. But I got to make it an amount that he's willing to call. And I think just over half pot. Once again, it was twelve thirty in the pot. I bet seven. Um, uh, you know, just over half pot. It entices the call. Yeah. Because he only has to be right roughly 25% of the time. And he might actually crunch the numbers and say, hey, my two pair is good. He could just be bluffing with a random ace that hit on the turn, you know? 
Do you do you think he folds? I mean, if, if you were to shove, let's just play play the hypothetical world. If you were to shove and make a big over, you know, over bet there, do you think he folds two pair? Do you think I think I mean, is the only range that uh, calls your seven that doesn't call your your shove is like a single pair, like a single ace? I mean, are a lot of his hands going to call your shove though? You know, ace king, ace queen, pocket fives, pocket threes, king queen. Is that, are they going to call a shove? Do you think? Uh. It's possible. It's possible they could call, but I just went with the sizing yeah. to just try to get some value, you know? Yeah. And I like it. I, I'm just kind of just exploring mm-hmm. all the different options there. Yeah. I, he's, he's definitely folding or he's calling less frequently versus a shove, I would say. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Any last comments before we move on to hand number two? That's a good one. Well, do we, do we see, uh, did he call you? Yes, he did. But the bummer is on America's card room. When you're the winner in the hand, oh. the caller doesn't have to show. So they just <laughs> put their hands so yeah. never know. But we can assume he called my $7 bet on, on the river, right? He two pair type hand. He might even have an ace 10 that just doesn't want to believe that we have a top pair beat. So at a minimum, it's got to be an ace at a minimum to make that $7 call. Most likely two pair or even like a flop set of something that just did not boat up and he wasn't willing to put in more money without a boat, you know, any checked back flop trying to be tricky. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Good example. All righty. Good. So we'll move on to hand number two here. Jack 10 again. Now this is a heads up situation. I'm on the button. So, which is also the small blind when you, when you're playing heads up against somebody. Now, the player that I'm up against, I have a 1,000 hands on them. There are 28, 19 players. So they're pretty loose, aggressive. They like to play a lot of hands. And then so I'm in the small blind, so I get the chance to open the pot here. And I make it just a min raise open. And then he ends up calling. So preflop, what do you guys think about that min raise open? Has that been sort of your, your standard play out of the small blind, heads up? Oftentimes, so... Looking at my HUD, I'm 16 hands in against him. I have 1K hands, but this is probably all six max or full ring stats that I have with him. When I'm feeling somebody out at a heads-up situation, I'll often just min-raise to begin with to kind of see how they respond. If I'm min-raising, they're doing a lot of three-betting, I'll up it to two and a half or three big blinds. But in the beginning, it's only been 16 hands. I'm still at the min-raise phase to see how he responds, you know. And you're not, you're not implementing any sort of a limping strategy heads up here at this point? No, I don't. Yeah. yeah well, okay. Yes, I can later on, but like I said, only 16 hands, yes. Yeah, then I like it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'll jump in and just say on the contrary, and I could be right or wrong, but I don't love just the, the min-raise only because – the sense of building the the pot with the hand that you have, would you do that? And, and by the way, I'm, uh, I completely understand if this, you might know this player enough or this, there's a dynamic in this game that you would completely understand better than I would. But um, would you do that with a big enough hand to kind of not, not because you have to balance in, in this, you know, this uh, in a 25 uh, game, but, is this the type of thing you do with Queens Kings aces ever? Would you ever just min raise with it? Heck no. And that's why I don't, that's why I do not like my min raise right here. So you, you hit the nail on the head for me, Derek. Okay. Yeah. I guess the one, the one thing I, yeah, I guess I don't know your, your typical raises. The one thing I like about it is it just, it kind of controls the size of the three bet then, you know, if you start, you know, if you start raising more then his three bets going to be more then you have a bigger decision 
you know, I kind of like this where if you're taking control of the pot, if you're three bets, you, it's not going to be, uh, you know, so much that it prices you out of it usually. But yeah, if you're, if you're raising different, different amounts of different hands, then, then maybe you need to do something else, but I don't mind it, frankly. Yeah. Yeah, I gotcha. This could be some kind of like a disguising thing, occasionally coming with a min raise and three bet or three big blinds other times and all. But one of the things like you just said, like my min raise kind of controls his three betting size. That's why when I'm three betting, I'm always making it, no matter what my opponent open raises, I'm making it nine big blinds if I'm in position and 10 to 12 if I'm out of position. I don't let their min raise, especially at a full ring or a six max table, I don't let their min raise dictate the size of my three bet because a lot of players will come in for a min raise out of the cutoff because they want to call a standard three X three bet to six big blinds. They're happy calling six big blinds with their Jack eight suited and their ACE four off suit. So that's why I always make it bigger, you know? So this kind this, he could be the kind of player that sizes it smaller when you're up against a smaller open raise, but uh, that's just, that's not the style I play. Just a comment on what you said there, Steve. Well, no, that's interesting. I mean, just a little bit of an aside there. So if somebody opens to 4X, you'd still go to 9 or 10, depending on your position? Yep. Oh, yep. interesting. Depending okay. on the position. And what I think about the player, if I'm totally going for value, they make it 4X, um, I will often – no, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that. If they make it 4X, I'm probably going 12 in okay. position, between 10 to 12 in position, and roughly the same out of position right there. Now, if they make it bigger, like 5 or 6X, some kind of weird open raise sizing, um, I, I normally only three bet for value unless I know that they're bluffing with that kind of sizing. Okay. And then so I'll make like three X or bigger. Okay. Yeah. Anybody else? Oh, go ahead, Taylor. I personally like the, the min raise. Um, I, I think it can be part of a total strategy. So even if you include the top part of your range, the Kings, the Queens, the aces, et cetera, in there, it can just help build a pot when you're in position. So it's something that I personally like to employ because the big blinds can be falling a lot here. Yep, absolutely. You're right about that. It is. It can be part of a good, well-balanced strategy for sure. Just in general, like Derek had said, if I'm not, you know, if I'm not making it three big blinds here and I make it later three big blinds with aces, he could potentially see into that, you know, and then stay away every time I make it three big lines and call every time I'm in race, which I guess I can flip the script and then start playing differently, you know, based on that information. Like in heads up games, you're constantly adjusting to each other. Um, but yeah, I made it. I made it a min race here. Let's see what happens on the flop. Flop comes down king, four, five, heart, heart, club, and I have the jack of clubs, ten of clubs. So I flop the backdoor flush draw plus a backdoor straight draw. Um, and it's just, I basically hit almost nothing on this board, king high board, you know. So um, he checks, and I decide to see bet just a half pot, 50 cents into a dollar, and he ends up calling right here. Um, one of the questions I ask myself is, because this was a total bluff, I wanted him to fold, but he ended up calling. What is he calling with in this instance? Now, I'm thinking he can call with any king, he can also call with quite a few different ace X hands, like ace eight, maybe like ace eight of clubs, or even just a random ace eight of anything, just because he has an ace and he doesn't want to give up so easily on the flop. Um, uh, he could call with a random five, a random four, even a gut shot, like a, four, five, a seven and eight he might call 
on the four five board a seven eight. Um, he could also call with open end or six seven and any two hearts for a flush draw. So he has a pretty wide range to call here because mm-hmm. I only made it half pot. I gave him a really easy uh, bet to call with a with a with a really wide range. Like I said, do, do you think it sort of captures range or adjusts his range that he didn't uh, re raise you here though? I mean, do you, do you take him off some of those hands when he doesn't re raise you? No, not any of the hands I just mentioned. I would take him off pocket fours, pocket fives, pocket kings for a set. Well, I take him off pocket kings because he didn't three bet in the first place. But I don't think he has any sets. He probably doesn't have any really strong um, top pair hands either. Um, because he didn't raise, I'm just taking out all super strong hands. Even four or five, I'm probably taking out too on that semi-wet king high board. If I have a king, I'm probably calling if he raises with his four, five, two pair. If I have a couple hearts, I'm probably calling. He's getting value. So yeah, let's remove all his strong hands right now. Okay. So you don't think he would check raise with some sort of like a six, seven combo or a couple of hearts? Oh, it's possible he could. Yeah, he could totally check raise, but, but you're he's choosing it, yeah. to just check call right now. So I put a lot of draws and weaker, uh, weaker showdown value hands in his range. Okay. Anyone else? No? All righty. So the pot is $2 on the turn. Um, oh, one thing too, real quick. I mentioned at the beginning, I have a lot of backdoor, not a lot. I have two backdoor draws, backdoor straight and backdoor flush draw. Oftentimes when I see bet bluff on the flop, I am planning on double barreling if some of my equity outs come in. And an equity out is a card on the turn that doesn't give you a made hand, but it gives you some kind of a draw. So a club right here would give me a flush draw. Um, On the turn, a club would give me a flush draw. A queen, an ace, or even a nine would give me some kind of straight draw as well. So ace, queen, nine, and a club, I'm planning on barreling right here. Okay. Any, any questions on that before we go to the turn? Well, is, is the thought there uh, a combination of obviously you pick up some hand equity, uh, but also the fact that when he just calls you, there's a lot of his hands that he'll release on the turn? Yes, it's both of those combined. Yes, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then just in general, this player does not like to fold on the turn. He only folds 25% of the time. So I think if I want to push him off on the turn, he's – well. He folds on the flop 56% of the time, on the turn 25%. So he's more flop honest. He kind of makes his decision in the hand on the flop. Once he stays in on the flop, on the turn, it's harder to get him off. So if I'm going to double barrel, I think I need a double barrel on the larger size. I use 50% on the flop. I think I need to go two-thirds, three-quarter pot on the turn. Hmm. Okay. So the turn comes, the deuce of clubs giving me the flush draw. So the board is king of hearts, four of hearts, five of clubs, deuce of clubs. I have the jack 10 of clubs once again. The best card for me right here would have probably been either a jack or a 10 or probably the queen of clubs would have been the single best. But the deuce of clubs is a nice second second place hand or second place card for me, you know. So he checks once again, which is what I expect on this card that doesn't really change much on the board other than adds a potential draw. And I bet only a half pot, $1 into two. And of course, he calls right there. So what do you guys think about my bet? No, go ahead. I was going to say, was there any thought of going higher? Um, You went half pot on the flop and you half pot on the turn. It could come across that you're just trying to to get him to, to come along with you each way. 
yes, that's possible. Or it could come across as I'm just making a super simple half pot bluff, double barrel bluff, you know? So like I said a, a little while ago, I think if I'm going to double barrel here to push a guy off who doesn't like to fold, I'm going to have to use a bigger sizing. I really would have preferred a dollar fifty here, three quarter pot. And to answer your question, Chad, I can't really tell you what I thought at the time. I, I don't remember when I played this hand. I just was looking through my database and found a good Jack 10 suited hand. But my guess was I just wanted to make a cheap bluff and try to get him to fold. I probably wasn't thinking enough about the sizing I needed to make it to get that fold. When you made that bet, were you already thinking about what your plans were for the river if he called you? Um, I was probably... I probably wasn't, to be honest. If I was thinking about that river, I think I would have made my bet bigger right here um, because looking ahead to the river means I'm giving a lot of thought to the current street as well. I should be at least. So if I was thinking about the river, I should have made this bet bigger. So as you think about it now, okay, when you say I should have made the bet bigger, is that because you plan on barreling the river or because you plan on giving up? Like what, like which, which mentality were you in? Or are you thinking about it now? As you say, as you say, man, I wish I would have made that bet bigger. Is it because you're planning on, boy, this is my one shot to win the pot and I'll just wave the white flag on the river? Or because that sets me up to then, uh, you know, to make, to make another barrel on the river, uh, an even larger bet? Yeah, it's twofold. It's, it's a larger bet would get him, would be more likely to get him to fold here. And then that will allow me to make an even larger bet. If I made a three quarter pot here and then I made it three quarter pot on the turn, I've effectively, I'm using a bigger bet sizing, putting more pressure on him. Hopefully that would get him to fold any kind of uh, marginal pairs, anything that, that doesn't feel like calling three full streets that, that doesn't think their hand is good enough for three streets, you know? Yep. Yeah. Derek, did you have something? Uh, you know, no, I, I, I was wondering about the size too, but I, I feel like through the, a couple of the comments that we kind of moved through that it, it just felt like what you seem to, after the fact, be kind of analyzing that you felt like you came across that what you were representing, what you're, you know, trying to show at this point, you kind of, it felt like you turned your hand a, a slight bit up by the half, half pot bet there. And I think you were right. It seems like the higher, uh, a little bigger size right there might, might've been more appropriate, but. I th it sounds like you kind of are, have already come to that conclusion too. So, Yep, yep, I agree with you. So if I had a hand like ace-king or king-queen, a really strong top pair hand, I would probably make it a $1.25 or a $1.50 to get the value out of this guy who called me on the flop. You know, yeah, so that's another reason why I don't like this sizing. I'm not representing that I have the kind of hand that I'm trying to rep, you know what I mean? And I, and I know you won't remember because obviously this is an older hand, but as you're thinking about it now, what sort of hand range do you put him on now that he just calls flop and he just calls turn? You know, he's check called both of those streets. What should, what should we be thinking about in terms of range here? I'm thinking potentially he has flush draws as well as random kings right now. Or okay. even the straight draw. Six, seven might do it as well. Um, just, to, just to try to hit their eight outer or... I guess six out or if he's worried I might have two clubs or two hearts, you know, but I think those are, that's the weakest hand that can call me a six, seven right now uh, for that open end of straight draw. A five might call if they're unbelieving two streets, but my guess is a five would fold in this instance. So like I said, heart draws and a king. And, and if you think of at this point, if he had a bigger hand, like if he had four or five, or if he had a, a set of fours or something like that, at this point, he probably would put in a raise and try to put some pressure on. Definitely. He's either donk leading for three quarter pot, a full pot, $2 bet or something. If he does have one of those hands or he is planning to check raise here. It's, it's one of those two for sure. Yeah. Okay. Stacy. Yeah. I'm just wondering what you think 
his range or his idea of your range is right now? That's a good question. My guess, half pot flop, half pot turn. He's probably thinking jacks, tens, nines, some kind of a king, a flush draw, or even an ace high hand that he can crack and bluff catch me potentially. Yeah, because he's not raising, so he's not going to put me on a really strong hand. Well, how should I? No, he's just calling. I guess he could put me on a strong hand and hoping I have a flush draw or something. You know, like Mm -hmm. he could put me on ace king here, but he's just being stubborn and calling with a weaker pair or flush draw, you know? Okay. Yeah. Yep. Is there any consideration to a check back here? If the deuce of clubs comes on the turn and you say this guy's really flop honest and then kind of doesn't change much on the turn, uh, deuce of clubs really isn't scaring much out there. So it's a decent chance he's going to be calling behind. I agree with you. A check back is not a bad play at all, but that's why I said I should have made this bet bigger to try to get the fold. A dollar's not getting anything that called on the flop to fold on the turn, but a dollar fifty might. So if I am going to double barrel, a bigger size is better. But checking back isn't bad at all because now I don't risk him check raising or anything, and I only have a jack high hand. I could potentially hit a jack or a ten for a decent second pair hand or a club for a flush. So checking back is not a bad play at all here. Yeah. Okay. All righty. So let's see this river. The river comes $4 pot, <laughs> a three of spades. Yeah. So a random six has a straight on the deuce three, four, five board. An ace has a straight. Um, any kind of pair of kings still has their kings. And I just have a jack high busted flush draw hand. Uh, so he checks to me. And if you look at that, he folds 43% of the time on the river, but I don't think I sold my strong hand enough for this half pot bet to work on the river. I think I just threw money away here. I think making it bigger on the turn, and if he called that bigger turn bet, I could easily check behind this jack high, knowing that I am beat, that he's not gonna fold uh, on the river right here. So I, I really hate this bet. What do you, well, I already told what I think, but what do you guys think of this $2 half pot bet uh, bluff on the river? I, I, I always get torn on this because I, I feel like I need to do a lot more work off the felt on something like this because you know, like how much of his range, you know, if he just has a heart draw, you know, that eight, nine of hearts, you know, I guess you're, you're ahead of that anyway. Uh, but say he has, you know, queen jack of hearts, some, some of those sorts of hands where he just completely whiffed this thing, you're going to, you're going to get a win. If he's got, you know, ace nine or something, he might give up here. So I feel like you're getting some folds of hands that would beat you if it went to showdown. So I'm kind of torn on, on that because I feel like it's doing that. It's, you're not, you're not betting enough really to get rid of the Kings you know, to get rid of those one pair decent hands, but you are folding out a portion of his range that would beat you. Yeah, a portion right now, but I just don't think $2 is big enough. On the guy that called the flop in the turn, half pot bets already, if he has any kind of pair, he's calling again, unless he puts me on an ace, but he's probably still calling with any random king um, because it goes runner, runner. For me to have a straight with an ace, he's probably not going to believe that and is just going to call. Yeah. Chad? Well, I think it just goes back to the start of the hand with the, the min raise preflop. And, you know, he was in the big blind, so he's just going to call with pretty much everything. So the betting size there seemed to be small, and then just the half pot the whole way through. If, you know, he, I could see him just having a four. But, you know, he could definitely be, be sitting there with a six by the river, a uh, pair of pocket sixes or something like that. 
I, I getting betting two dollars on the river, I don't think is going to get you anywhere. You know, you're probably better off just checking back and giving up. Otherwise, you should have bombed it and gone full pot. Yep, full pot or at a minimum three bucks. I agree with you, Chad, hundred percent. Full pot sounds really good at this point right here. Derek, yeah, I, I agree with Chad. I, I'm thinking bomb there just because I, I agree with Chad. If I have a four here, I think I call you and maybe he was just calling with ace high and you get there too, you know, and I mean, potentially, I guess you could rep that you had it. And so then he's going to call anyway and chop with you. So yeah, I, I think you'd kind of bomb it there or just give up. And because of the way it was played leading into this, I think I just, I, I think I just checked back at this point. I agree with you. I think I botched this hand. Taylor, did you have anything? Yeah. I was going to say if, if we're all talking about making the river size bigger here, which I think we all agree on, doesn't that give credence to the previous hand when we turned the Broadway to make that river bet a little bit on the bigger side? So last, the last hand we bet seven on the river. I mean, does that make sense to go, you know, 10, even a full pot of like 12 in the sense that we want to keep both of those hands the same? Um, yeah, I understand what you're saying. I'm not a big guy on the whole idea of just balance in general and playing balanced against different players. I'm more of the mindset of exploiting my current opponent and the situation at the time too, that board was so much more wet that, uh, and he had so many more good hand, good, good potential hands in his range. I think that $7 bet gave me maximum value in this instance right here. He does have some strong hands in his range. He has a rivered, um, I think like Derek was saying a rivered ace or a six for a straight that is just going to, uh, that will never fold in this instance, you know? So, uh, I, I understand what you're saying for some kind of a balance thing, but at the micro stakes like this 25 NL, I really don't try to balance or I try to play against the opponent I have at the time. Okay. Is there any thought to just uh, um, checking and giving in if he, if he goes big or and just seeing if he maybe just shows down with a check check? You mean just, just you just mean check. checking on the turn? Uh, no, on the river. Oh, no. He, I'm sorry. I'm out, of, I'm out of position here. Um, he checked to you. Yeah. Okay. My, you, any thought of just giving up, so to speak? Yes, of totally. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I think that's the best play in this instance with, with the way I've played it up to this point. Now, right. if I had bet bigger on the flop, bigger on right. the turn, then I think betting bigger on the river could get him to fold on this potential scare card. Like, what is, is he calling with that many aces on the flop and the turn? Is he calling with ace five on the flop and then ace five, he picks up a gut shot, but he still only has second pair? I don't know if he has that many aces. So I think bigger bets, flop, turn, and then river could have gotten the fold here or won the pot, I should say. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So let's see what he had at showdown. And his hand totally makes sense. No. King nine offsuit right there. Um, you know, a call preflop is just fine versus the min raise. I can't fault him for that. And then check calling flop turn river with a top pair wheat kicker. I'm fine with that too, especially seeing as how my sizing was so small. But now looking at his hand, it is possible if I was bombing it bigger, bam, 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 he could find a fold. But over these last 16 hands, I've been pretty aggressive, 63, 38. I've been playing a lot of hands. Um, he might not be so believing of me and might just call flop turn river at three-quarter pot the whole way. Yeah, heads up. It's pretty hard to, you know, top pair, middle, middle kicker is not a bad hand. Heads up. It's pretty hard to push somebody off of that. It I'm, is, a, little, I'm a little surprised he never check raised you at any point in time, especially on the turn. 
Yeah. Yeah. I guess he, he probably just had, you know, I, I have the potential here because I raised preflop right. um, better hands, you know, ace, king, king, queen, king, jack. And so he's not taking the chance. He's just letting me spew chips at him. <laughs> Give me a little rope. Yep. That's what he did there. Um, does anybody see any fault in the way he played the hand? I see plenty of fault in my way, but any fault in his? Not really. I probably would have found a raise in there at some point, either either a three bet preflop or at some point in there trying to get some value from you. But uh, it, like you said, I mean, there's a lot of hands that beat you, but I probably would have put you to test a little bit um, on that, depending on how the heads up had been had been played. Yeah, good, good. But no, Steve, if you had to pick, would you do you feel like looking out at king nine first? You know, pre you feel like you'd be more apt to three bet there or after this flop call and then they turn what it brings there is that kind of the point would that would you put the pressure on there yeah i mean if 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 he'd been opening a fair amount of pots on the button heads up uh i tend to three bet king nine there heads up um for for a few different reasons first of all i think i'm probably ahead of his range there but secondly i also want him to think twice about opening every pot that might be Just, wrong thinking that's but that is sort of uh what i'm thinking there and then i can take then i take control of the pot and then i can kind of dictate a little bit more uh post flop yeah, and you're laying some groundwork for future hands too. I mean, heads up, that's a you know such a different beast too. So. Yeah, I thought the turn. I mean, potentially could have been a spot where I guess if I had king nine, I I don't know. I had I I think I would lean more towards the call, but I could definitely see advocating for you know I could see that him him raising there too at the turn. Yeah, that's just because that's such a wet card that turn card. You know, a lot a lot. There's a lot of interesting things happening now where you're going to be guessing on the river, and you don't want to be guessing. Right, but if he's trying to play pot control against guy on the button there who could have bigger kings, and that's why he's calling down, he's probably playing pot control. Yeah, it's, it does feel like he's like, I'm calling all the way unless I, I, maybe an ace came or something, but otherwise it does feel like it's just call, call, call. I do, I do like, but I do like setting the tone a little bit of a heads up. I like to uh, not let people think that all I'm going to do is just call them the whole time. And again, this is just one hand in the context of overall heads up, but I do kind of like to make people think twice about making loose wagers. So if you were looking to three bet this pre, you're saying that would be the type of thing you'd want to do in the first, let's say half a dozen, eight, nine hands, something like that. I mean, you want to establish that early. You're not. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Or if, you know, yeah, once we see that he's been opening almost every button, that might be a a good spot to do it then too. It could be later on too. I mean, if my image has been really tight, you know, it's a good spot to pick up some chips later and heads up too. Yeah. Pretty much, I'm always looking to three-bet Sky, so whatever the situation. <laughs> there you go. Yep, I'm not a bad opponent at all to three-bet. I'm a tight, aggressive <laughs> player, so I do open, raise, and fold plenty for sure, especially when I'm out of position. This instance would have been in position, but when I'm out of position, you three-bet me, that's an easy takedown most of the time. Yeah, but you're, you're going to see a flop with this one probably unless the three-bet's really big. Yeah, Heads absolutely. up, jacked and suited, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so Sky, we're, we're, we're almost out of time. I'd, I'd like to, if you don't mind, spend a couple minutes talking a little bit about uh, on your email, you sent some, just that you had done some analysis on Jack 10. Uh, we don't need to get into all of your analysis, but if you could just kind of share for the listeners and for us, kind of how do you approach that when you say, okay, I want to, I want to analyze Jack 10. And you obviously have the, the, the luxury of having, you know, um, your, your, net, your, what do you, your poker tracker or whatever it is that you're using here uh, to look at the data. You know, we might not have that data, but how do you, how do you actually kind of approach that saying, I want to analyze how I'm playing Jack 10. That is a good question. So let me show you my database here. Uh, you can see it on the screen, Poker Tracker 4. 
and walk um, through a little bit uh, for the for the audio folks. Make sure you kind of touch on things just for the audio folks. Definitely. So Poker Tracker 4 is a poker tracking database, depending on the site that you play on. It records all of the hands that you that you play. And with all of those hands, it develops different statistics for your play. For example, VPIP is voluntarily put money in the pot. It knows that with Jack-10 suited or Jack-10 suited and offsuit, I voluntarily put money in 27% of the time. So one out of four times I play it. That does, you know, I, like I said at the very beginning, I love this hand. I love playing it. But if somebody comes in for a raise, I'm not automatically three betting nor am I automatically calling, just depending on the other players at the table, the size of the raise, the type of player, you know, but that's what Poker Tracker 4 does. It looks at your hands like this. And, and I, what I, I have here... Can I interrupt you for um, one second, Sky? I just want to interrupt one second just yeah. to point out one thing on there. Not that, I mean, I could look at data all day, but just for the folks on the radio or on the podcast, but also in general, we talk about the value of position and, you know, you're saying 27% of the time you're playing Jack-10, uh, early position at 7.5% and on the button it's 37.5%. Just to give folks an idea of the, the value of position, at least how you're valuing position, saying, okay, jack t- not all jack-10s are created equal. <laughs> Early position, you're playing it 7%. Late position, you're playing it 37% of the time. I think that's, that's a critical concept. Absolutely. And, uh, but uh, contrary, not contrary, but uh, kind of, uh, I don't know, I don't know what to say exactly. If you look at the screen right here in position with Jack 10 suit, do you think, Hey, that's, <laughs> you have the best position. You should be making money. No, I'm $28 down um, on the button when I'm playing at 37% of the time in the early position, $4 up when I play it only 7% of the time. Mm. So I think, like I said at the beginning, Jack 10 is such a pretty hand. I want to play it. I probably sometimes play it in situations that I shouldn't. Maybe I'm just calling way too often, especially when I have position because it's such a pretty hand. I want to see flops. So I'm possibly losing a lot of small little pots, but that adds up to big losses overall, you know, $28 down. As you can see in my database, since, um, uh, since January 1st of 2018, um, I've played this hand 1,269 times and I'm down $55 or negative 28 big blinds per 100 hand. So it's not a profitable hand for me at all. But what I'll do sometimes with a specific hand, if I want to look it up, I'll just filter in my database for that hand. And then you can look at it by position. So we can go to the button right here. All the different Jack 10s um, that I played on the button, we can sort it by the currency one. You can see Jack 10 offsuit, my best hand, I won $6.42, which is just over 20, you know, 26 big blinds, give or take. And then we can review the hand to see what happened and how I played it. Obviously, I turned a full house. That's why I won so much with it, you know. But if we look at the, if we, if we uh, sort it by the currency loss, Jack 10 suited, I lost uh, $6.55, roughly 26 big blinds again, when I flopped that uh, flush draw plus a, plus a gut shot. And then I raised and folded on the turn to somebody's shove, you know? So what I can do is go through these hands and take a look at them and replay it and see how I played it and see what I did wrong. Look at the various percentages, run stuff through Flopzilla. So this is basically how I study specific hands. If I want to just see how I'm playing them and how I could potentially play them better. So that that's fantastic, dude. We could spend hours and hours talking about this. Um, so just in, as you kind of analyze Jack 10, and I don't know how extensive that's been, are there any key takeaways for you as a result of this study that may change what you're going to do with Jack 10? Did my audio cut out there? Uh, 
Sorry, Steve, I'm going to assume your question is over. Um, not just yet. I was still last week um, when I sent you these hands, I was in the middle of looking at Jack 10 and I kind of got away from it. I'm planning a webinar and stuff that I'm doing soon. So I kind of put the Jack 10 studies to the side, but I know just in general, I am playing it a bit too frequently um, from the button from the button and the cutoff. Those are the best positions. So I should be able to find ways to get aggressive with them. But as you guys saw on that one hand, I was on the button with Jack 10 suited and I just wasn't as aggressive with my bet sizing as I should have been to get the fold. And I'm thinking that that can be a big part of my issue when I'm not hitting the flop. I'm just not because I only have a Jack high hand. I'm not uh, betting what I should, you know, is what I'm thinking, but it, it will require more research. Derek? Well, hey, I just had a question, Sky. So if I'm reading this right, you have, out of 230 hands, am I reading this wrong, that you three-bet pre-flop from the button with Jack-10 suited, or I think it's always suited. I guess I didn't see if it was suited or unsuited. But Jack-10, you've three-bet zero times out of 230 exactly. hands? Yep, zero times. It's kind of a strategy decision? or Because I know you said you kind of play like feel player – Versus having like a succinct sort of this is what I do. And that seems strange that you would never have had a three bet. Yeah, exactly. I should probably be three betting more. And that's probably one thing that I can take away from this research. The thing with Jack 10 is I've just always viewed it. And if you look at the numbers in Flopzilla and stuff, it is such a good calling hand. It hits flops so well. You hit such good draws with it. But I'm probably relying on on playing it as a call way too frequently. And I should be throwing in some more three bets, especially when I think my opponent is capable of folding. And if they're capable of calling a three bet, but they fold a lot to flop C bets, that's a great time as well to throw out the three bet, build the pot. As soon as that flop hits, even if I don't hit it, C bet to make them fold and use a bigger sizing than just half pot, you know? Sure. Well, and the other thing too, is I, I you have the two bet, uh, to the two bet, excuse me, pre-flop fold, it's 80% versus calling the three bet. So you're in position on the button. And assuming, it's, particularly if you have Jack 10 suited, someone's three betting, let's say if that early, an early position raise or, or one of the blinds raises is 20%. Do you feel like that's low? I, I don't look at these sort of stats a lot, but calling that three bet, knowing you're going to have position to see a flop, is that low at 20% you think? Yeah, I think it is a little it is a little bit low. It probably should be higher to closer to 30 or 40%. This 80% is 8 out of 10, so I folded 8 times versus a 3 bet out of the blinds. But I should be defending with this hand a little bit more frequently. Some people will tell you you should be defending with it as much as possible, but one thing that I think about when I'm facing a 3 bet, I try to gauge their range. Most players when they're 3 betting me, they have something way better than jack 10. It could be just nines or eights, which I chop with, but oftentimes it's stronger pocket pairs, ace-king, ace-queen, ace-jack even, that totally crushes my jack-10. And when I open raise with this hand and facing a three-bet, I often want to stay out of trouble, but that could be another problem I've ha I'm having. Maybe I should be um, uh, defending with it more often. Maybe I'm not good enough when I have the jack-10. Maybe I'm not paying attention to the people in the blinds as much to realize whether or not they're going to three-bet me. Maybe as soon as I see the Jack-10, I auto open raise with it instead of thinking ahead. You know, so that could be another issue right there. That's a good, that's a good stuff, Scott. Unfortunately, we're going to have to wrap it up. Uh, as always, all good things must come to an end. Uh, give, us a, uh, give us a quick uh, a little thought on where people can find you if they want to hear more about you and hear your podcast and your website and everything. 
Absolutely. Thank you. Um, it's smartpokerstudy.com is the website. The name of the podcast is Smart Poker Study. If you just type in anywhere, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, um, just type in Smart Poker Study, you'll find, you'll find me there for sure. Awesome. Well, thanks, this guy. Thanks to Running Aces once again for being our official sponsor. Uh, RecPokerTraining.com. Go check that out. Crazy like a fox. Starting in about three weeks, so check that out too. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me, uh, and we will be in touch. Uh, so good luck on the felt, everybody. We'll chat with you next week. Thanks. Thanks.